0: to the Big Ten huddle I'm your host jr and we have got a lot to talk about we have a huge rivalry win for the Purdue Boilermakers. makers uh, Wisconsin's winning streak in the conference it's over it's done there's nobody left undefeated uh, if you saw our friend casual Big Ten he uh, put out his uh, circle of suck with the Big Ten because every big Ten team is lost and you know the whole circle of it happening so go check that out and uh, we're here to talk about it all we're here to talk about uh you know brant and i unfortunately are buckeyes and um you know we're gonna be kind but we're also not going to uh be afraid to share our feelings and i know dakota has a lot of feelings uh to, to share tonight so i'll do it <laughs>
1: yeah. i'll carry that mantle uh,
0: very good so if you're listening on podcast i have brant uh ceo of big major sports with me and dakota of uh, the boiler in texas from twitter here to uh to join us dakota how you doing tonight
1: hey can't complain you know i messaged you on when you invited me on saying that it's gonna be real hit or miss here depending on the results of the game last night but here i am so
2: we...
0: i've been known to jinx people once or twice so i'm glad i didn't jinx you uh me too man me too <laughs> uh Brent, how are you doing tonight man
2: yeah on the flip side uh the, the buckeyes aren't looking too hot right now so i mean aside from that we're we're doing well we're doing great Foot. we've got our football team looking up uh but This is a basketball episode, so excited to dig into uh, some of what we've been seeing on the court.
0: This is the time of the year when the January slump starts to happen for Buckeye fans that we say there's more to life than (laughs) sports, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, well, let's get to it. Uh, Our very first game we have. Purdue beats Indiana 87-66, to a big win for the Boilermakers. I kind of felt like this game was more competitive than the, the score indicated because of the fouls that happened, at least I should say this, with the starting lineups it was more competitive than the scores indicated, but because of fouling and because Indiana just, basically being outgassed and not having any energy left of the game and the Boilermakers pulling ahead. It looked a little bit more dominant, but I would still say at the end of the day, Purdue was the dominant team, and they won in this one fair and square. I heard some people complaining about the refs. I don't think you can really complain about the refs in a 20-point win personally. Um, however, you know, that that's what you're going to get when you play Purdue. It's really hard to get, guard Zach E and your big guys are going to get in foul trouble. That's just the way it is. Dakota, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: I mean, what more can you really say about showing up to your rivals' home gym and getting the largest margin of victory over them at their home on their home floor since 1934, when Purdue won by 34. So this was an absolutely dominant game from Purdue. This is the type of game that I was hoping that they would be able to put on, you know, on the road in true road games. Um, it seems like in true road games so far this year, it seems like Purdue's just kind of been waiting to get punched. You know, you're going to get every team's best shot. Um, and I think this is kind of the first true road game that we've seen that they really went out and they hit Indiana from the jump and they never really looked back. So I'm very happy with how this one ended up. Um, Zach Eady, obviously you got to lead off with the big man, 33 and 14. I mean, ho-hum, Zach Eady game, 33 and 14. But even then, um, shoot sub 50% from the field, 11 of 23. But goes 11 of 12 from the free throw line. I mean, what more can you really say? And then also Fletcher Lawyer, big game Fletch shows up with 19 points on four or four from three, five or six from the floor. And then Lance Jones, you know, fully delving himself into this rivalry with 17 points and really, uh, just really letting the uh, the IU fans see what's up but this I mean this is the type of game I was you expect Purdue would be able to go into if you just look at Indiana as a resume and their metrics and all that stuff this is this is how this game should have gone but as you know with rivalry games you really never know what's going to happen see just even a year ago where Indiana obviously swept with the series there you know I can even admit it um so you really don't know what exactly is going to expect coming out in this one but Obviously, Purdue was aided by the, we'll just say, very and sometimes overly aggressive Indiana defense um, getting their uh, their starters in foul trouble, and Purdue just walked away with it from there.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it was one of those games where, like you said, Dakota, Purdue was supposed to win, but we've also seen Purdue go to Nebraska and go to Northwestern, and while those teams are good, you know, I would not rank those as top-tier teams in the country right now. And although Indiana, you know, I think, They were at some point. I don't remember if they are anymore outside the 100 of Ken Palm. Um, They they still are a good team with a good starting lineup. Now, the, the bench is a little questionable, but it still does you know, make you at least nervous enough to say, are we gonna have a repeat of Nebraska? Are we gonna have a repeat in Northwestern? But um I think Zach just looked like this entire game. He was like, This is not going to happen. I'm going to do everything <laughs> humanly possible to destroy this team and put my foot on them and just say, You're done here. Um, you know, go <laughs> go home. I guess you already are home, but stay home. We're leaving with the W. Uh Brent, what were your thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, what was really interesting to me before the game was looking at kind of how Vegas had it laid out. Uh, Purdue was nine and a half to 10 point favorites on the road, which you just do not see in the Big Ten. You don't see it in college basketball, but especially in the Big Ten. The home team is always the favorite and the home team usually comes away with a win. So that just speaks to you know how, how good Purdue is and also how mediocre Indiana is this season uh, from top to bottom. Um, and I think... Purdue going out there and comfortably covering that spread, comfortably winning that game, really leading from start to finish. I know there was a little spurt where Trey Galloway started hitting some shots and Indiana kind of clawed their way back into it, but uh, Purdue silenced him right after that. Um, I I think Purdue, and and on a night where that happened and where Wisconsin went on the road and lost to a team that is barely 500, uh, I think Purdue went out and submitted themselves back in that driver's seat of the Big Ten. Um, where you know people were saying Wisconsin and our and our big banner rankings this week, Wisconsin was number one on in the power rankings. Um, after Purdue had had some slip ups, and Wisconsin was kind of running the table in the conference, but this showing just went out. Uh, Purdue just went out and proved they're the best team in the conference, uh, and they're a step forward from where they were last year as a one seed. Um, this team, I mean, Lance Jones is just that much of an X factor, and he showed it in last night's game. Um, I, I just think that addition really takes this team to the next level.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got casual Big Ten here in the comments with us. Rutgers down one. I'll do updates, guys. <laughs> one twenty left. Uh, Nebraska up three now, and and one Cliff fifty <laughs> <laughs> three left. Missing a We're not We're not over here. Ready. No, I love the commentary, Kent. Yes, please continue. Um, <laughs> I have the game in front of me, but I would much rather listen to you than you know whoever's covering this game. I don't remember who it was at the beginning, but um, yeah, no, I think. <clears throat> Number one, if we're talking about commentators, I just love Robbie Hubble, oh. Hummel as a commentator. Um, and the, I think I told this story before, but my, my in-laws are huge IU fans and they got tickets earlier this season and, um, they, they got courtside tickets, which was really, really cool for them. Well, they sat near the scores table and they got to meet Robbie Hummel before the game and it's pretty, it, you know that you're doing a pretty good job when my mother-in-law, who is just a die-hard IU fan, asked for a picture with Rami. <laughs> Her husband was like, "Are you sure Like, you want to do that?" And she was like, "I mean, he's a really good commentator. I know that he's from a place I don't like, but he does a really good job, and I respect him. So it's you know, you know, you're doing a good job when that happens. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, I think this game was one of the most evident things this season, or one of the most evident games this season of what I've been kind of commenting on with Purdue. Um, You know, people talked a lot about Michigan during the football season, how they're like this boa constrictor, and they really kind of suck the life out of you. Um, That's basically what Purdue does to a lot of basketball teams, is it is so easy sometimes going down the floor for Purdue, because there are times where Edie just gets a successful post up, and just basically just drives this guy to the back of the basket, gets the ball, turns around, puts it in. Uh, and then on the other end of the floor, you see the other team going just absolute max effort to even get the ball anywhere near the hoop. And then they have to go through five different passes to get it away from Zach Eady, and then do some kind of circus shot in the end just to score two points. And then Purdue gets the ball back and then they just go right back down and pass the ball around a little bit until... Edie's open and throw it down there to him again. Uh, I mean, this it's unsustainable if you don't have more than your starting five, and that's essentially who Indiana has is really when Gabe Cups is out there, just their starting four <laughs> when Xavier Johnson is, is doing his thing. I don't know what's up with Xavier Johnson. Dakota, do you have any thoughts? I, I, I know you're obviously going to have your, your, uh, your biasness here, but feel free to have it. Um, what in the world is going on with him?
1: Here's, here's me taking off my bias crown, <laughs> setting it to the side.
0: Thank you. Thank you. This,
1: this just has all the telltale signs of a six-year guy who's maybe hasn't had the end of his career kind of go the way he wanted to and is probably starting to see that his time in college basketball is probably coming to an end. Playing for an Indiana team, which last year had promise, but maybe wasn't quite as competitive as they should have been with the talent they had, to come back this season, get your sixth year, your final go-around. I, I mean, he might try for another, but... I I doubt it goes. And then Indiana just slowly just backslides this whole season. You know, they beat the team that they should beat, but they lose all of their, I mean, they're over in quad one games with an average margin of loss. I think of like 18 points in those games or something like that. Um, And this just seems like a guy who is just frustrated. He's probably frustrated his career didn't go the way he he thought it would. And I think we're just finally starting to see it kind of just boil over the top sometimes. Now quickly, I'm going to put my crown back on. Uh, he mad. He mad that the boilers boiled over in Bloomington, and I think I I don't know. It just seems like a kind of guy, the the type of guy who's just kind of realizing that the the end of a career is coming and might just be having a moment.
0: Well, I think it affects him too. The Gabe Cups is starting, right? I mean, yeah. But at the same
1: time, he hasn't necessarily. He obviously was injured for a stretch and uh, towards right. the end of non-conference. Um, obviously a guy who's dealt with injury a lot. I'm sure that definitely doesn't help the um staying mentally ready and locked into these games. Where I mean that just adds to the frustration. And then you see Gabe Cups, and now no, uh, no, I mean no problems against Gabe Cups. He's not the the point guard that Indiana needs. This Indiana team needs. Um, and you, pointedly put it, uh, you know, it's basically. Everyone else in Gabe Cups. I mean, obviously, Gabe Cups actually. I think played a pretty good game for a Gabe Cups game. Hit a yeah, he three, had five points. He had five points. That's I mean, you high. get a three. Yeah, you get, you get a three and a. I think it was a pull-up jumper. I can't jumper remember what the thing. other one. Yeah, a little yeah. jumper to get five. I mean, that's a great Gabe Cups game. But if that's a great Gabe Cup getting good Cups game, that's got to be frustrating for a six-year senior like Xavier Johnson to look at and go,
0: "Really, Th- this guy?" This and is so starting over me, right? Yeah. Um. Brant, uh, do you see Gabe Cups being the the player that Indiana needs this season in order for them to to make the tournament or have any hope outside of
2: playing the regular season or anything like that? Yeah, definitely not this year. Um, but I, I did read into it a bit, and as far as why Xavier wasn't starting, I believe it was because of, it was kind of a punishment off sending from the ejection from the previous game. So I think we will be seeing him back in that starting lineup soon, especially just. Knowing that you need that six-year leadership out there rather than a true freshman uh, starting, if you really want to do anything, uh, Gabe Cups, I think he has a lot of potential as a player. Um, you know, I, he's from Ohio, so I've kind of followed him throughout his high school career, uh, and he, I mean, he was a very, very good high school player. Uh, Indiana fans were excited about him, uh, but he's just, you know, he's he's on the smaller side. He's a true freshman. You don't really see guys like that go out and have much success early on. But I think by his junior or senior year, he could be that point guard that Indiana needs to really make some noise. But it, it's not going to happen this year.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that Gabe Cups has potential, and he's obviously, I mean wonderful defender. Um, you know, he was given Braden Smith fits out there at times when he was, when he was guarding him so close and doing a great job with that. Uh, but he just, he lacks so much on the offensive end. I give him credit for trying more with the pull-up jumpers and the three pointers and stuff like that in this game, because I think he realized that's what the team needed from him to, is, is to produce some of that offense himself and not just pass it, uh, and make those things happen. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, I think, I think, Matt Painter finally realized that Fletcher Lawyer is the guy you need out there. Uh, Braden Smith is going to do what Braden Smith does for this team. He's he's the point guard that they need in a lot of ways, and he continues to grow. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there's just no comparison to the Purdue backcourt and to the Indiana backcourt. And um, although I think that Indiana's front court is is better than some people give them credit for uh, when your strength is the front court and the other team's back court is better than yours. um, You're not going to win very many games against Purdue, especially if you don't have the backups to, uh, to really make that happen. So Dakota, you have any more thoughts before we get out of here on this one? Um, Just that uh, yesterday, don't think it could have
1: gone better. Obviously Purdue taking down your rival on the road, never going to feel, never going to feel bad. Um, That's all I got. Feels good. Feels good.
0: I'm sure it does, Brant. You have any more thoughts?
2: Yeah. Um. Only thing for me is back to the Robbie Hummel thing. Um. That my um my buddy I was watching the game with is a huge Indiana fan, and he turned the sound off because he thought Robbie Hummel was so pretty <laughs> biased. Really? So that was wow. kind of funny. I, I I didn't think he was. I I'll say yeah. He just gets extremely frustrated at literally everything. He was screaming at the TV the whole time about the foul. I,
1: I get that as an Indiana fan. I even I feel like Robbie does a really good job about being.
2: Pretty I, thought he, I thought he was pretty unbiased. Yeah, he's I usually he pretty
1: unbiased. unbiased. And at some points, I feel like, as most like former players are, can almost be a little biased against the team they played for. I thought Rob usually does pretty good, but I can understand watching that as an IU fan. Just anything Purdue, just, just get it out of here.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he was pointing out the fouls, uh, to a good rate. I said earlier that the fouls didn't decide the game. The officiating in this game still was bad. Uh, I don't think it was good officiating, which is, you know, frustrating because you like to see good officiating. Um, but at the end of the day, I've just accepted the fact that any game Zach Eady is in, there's always going to seem like there's questionable officiating because it's almost impossible to officiate those games, uh, just because of the size advantage that he has and the way he plays and, um, You know, it's almost like default (laughs) foul on the other team because they have to grab and scrape and claw in order (laughs) to get a rebound over Zach Eady. So, so, yeah, but all right, let's move on to our next one. Well, what's before we move on here, I do want to remind you, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. And uh, if you're listening on podcast, please do give us a rating there. Subscribe as well. All right, next one. Wisconsin goes down. They lose 83 to 87. Boy, oh boy, this was a heartbreaker for the Badgers. They played tough. I I, I think Wisconsin played well. They were just, they were at Penn State and Penn State had one of those games where they just, I, I think Wisconsin maybe led for a minute. If in this game or something like that, but they did not lead for long and Penn State took the lead back and, and they just kept it in this game. I mean, Ace Baldwin was fantastic. Uh, that Kanye Clary is a really, really good scorer and, uh, they, they just made it happen in this one and really took care, took care of Wisconsin. And I, we knew eventually it would happen, but I didn't think it would happen against Penn State. Uh, so credit to Penn State, but at the end of the day, Wisconsin's still really good. Brandt, what were some of your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, honestly, I kind of saw it coming. Um, the Badgers are kind of due for a loss. You know, they're a good team, but they're they're not head and shoulders above the rest of the Big Ten. And Penn State also is they're they're a better team than people are giving them credit for. They kind of have a three headed monster in the back uh, backcourt. You mentioned Ace Baldwin. I'd put him in the top maybe three point guards in the in the conference probably. Um, and then Kanye Clary, a very underrated young player. He dropped twenty seven. Uh, just getting bucket after bucket, and Nick Hearn uh, out of VCU as well. I believe um, that Mike Rhodes brought him over. Not not at that himself. He had 15 against Wisconsin. Um, so it's, I mean, if they can hit shots, they really can. We saw it against Ohio State earlier this year. They just kind of went lights out and took us down on the road. Um, and Penn State, I mean, it's when you think of tough places to play in college basketball, you're not thinking of Happy Valley, but. It it's been it's been tougher to play there this season. Oh. It's been tough to play anywhere in the Big Ten this season and Penn State's no exception. Um so to go to go and see them dominate from start to finish against Wisconsin, a little surprising, but didn't catch me completely off guard.
0: Yeah, and I think um you know, Penn State's backcourt really makes up for the offensive liability that the front court of Penn State can be, but at the end of the day, Penn State's frontcourt is doing exactly what they need them to do in these wins. Um, Now, sometimes they don't, but in these wins, they're playing good defense and they're getting rebounds, which is really what you want from your frontcourt when you have an outstanding backcourt like what they have in Penn State. Dakota, what were some of your thoughts on this one?
1: I mean, I think this was... I mean, a lot of people, I think, it chalked us up to a down game from Wisconsin. But, I mean, if you look on the down, their, their team stats, I mean, they out-rebounded Penn State by 11. They shot better percentage from three, a little worse from the field. But th- I think this was just entirely just a game where Penn State just went out and just beat Wisconsin at home. I mean, obviously, you had... Uh, career night from kanye clary going for 27 you got ace baldwin going for 20 i think this really just came down to wisconsin not being able to get the stops because i think you saw routinely down the stretch the backcourt of uh penn state just being able to get in the lane kind of whenever they wanted to they ran really good action to get in the lane where they were either able to get to the rim or you know spray out to to get good looks from beyond the arc and they hit all the shots they needed to and i think you guys absolutely nailed it where this definitely isn't Penn State, I feel like, occupies a weird space in the Big Ten where everyone just kind of looks at them as this, just kind of not necessarily doormat, but like you don't really think about them. Um, but like they'll get you. I mean, obviously, Shrewsbury last year put them sort of back on the map again. Obviously, he's moved on now to Notre Dame. But I don't think, I think a lot of people expected Penn State to take a step back and kind of just really overlooked them. But I mean, they got dudes. And what do you got? To, what do you need to win in college basketball? You need good guard play. And Penn State got great guard play in this one. And I mean, you look at it, and that's all, all they needed in this one. They were able to get to the rim, get good looks, and got enough
0: stops and rebounds to come out
1: with a win. Good win.
0: And Penn State, I feel like, is kind of the shining example. Um, sorry, I was watching. The- <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. All right. I was okay. The Nebraska game. Yep. Uh, Simpson traveled immediately back to Nebraska. I'm not doing overtime. Thank you, Kent. <laughs> it is an overtime, so we'll have more to pay attention to here. Uh, No, but I was saying about Penn State, Penn State's kind of the shining example right now in the Big Ten of – how you can really just essentially flip a roster, right? I mean, this was the Penn State team last year that was booty ball, you know, good shooters, making all these things happen. And then now we have this, this incredible backcourt with a front court that, you know, I explained them earlier. Uh, and then Leo O'Boyle, who, you know, I just, I love watching him out there play. Uh, he, he, he's really fun when he's hitting shots and doing a great job there. Um, uh, but when this Penn State team is locked in on defense and, and that's kind of what they really go for, uh, in these wins, it's it's really tough to beat them. When they're at home, they play good defense. It's really tough to beat them. And Wisconsin was a great display of that in this one. I mean, they, they turned the ball over more than they pretty much have all year in this one. And although Penn State didn't get the offensive rebounds that they needed, they didn't turn the ball over hardly at all in this one. And, you know, it was a really, really good game for Penn State. Uh, Brant, you mentioned ace baldwin and he had a ranking him among point guards in the big 10 but but i'm going to take it a step further and talk about the entire backcourt of penn state is this is this a top five top three backcourt in the big 10 right now
2: i think you could make the argument that it's top five top three might be pushing it i have to kind of lay things out and kind of compare and contrast but i, I think you could probably say pretty easily it's top five solely because of ace baldwin and then the emergence of connie a. clary if he plays a little more consistently, that's that can be scary as you kind of go down the stretch here in conference but
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, are you as down, Dakota, on the Penn State front court as kind of I am with maybe their offensive efficiency um, in that area, or just overall? What are your thoughts? I think it's
1: it's hard, right? Because obviously the front court in the Big Ten is vitally important, and I definitely would say that Penn State's you know front court probably doesn't live up to probably the Big Ten standard. But that said, I think you're getting exactly what you can from Wahab and Hicks. Um, obviously, Hicks in this one goes three of six from three for nine points. Definitely not going to be mad about that. Wahab just has that athleticism and length to bother um, to bother opponents when they get in the lane. I don't think you're looking at those guys to go out and score per se. Obviously, you didn't need it in this one. But I think they're serviceable enough to be plucky at home and you get them at the right time on the road. um. The longevity of this is kind of tough to say, but I think for this Penn State team, I think they're exactly what they need. Could they use a little bit more? Probably. Um, as you saw in other games like the like the Purdue game where it was just lights out for Zach Eady. but obviously not every team in the Big Ten, especially this year, is going to be able to put a front court out against them, and you can expect to get that kind of performance out of them. So I think, honestly, while it could be better, yeah, I think for at least this team and the guard-oriented play that they're going to play specifically, I think they're exactly what they need.
0: Well, and as they continue to grow too, right? Also true. This isn't this isn't a Penn State team that anybody expected to come in here and be top four in the conference or anything like that. So, um, I do want to touch on Wisconsin before we end here. Uh, Brant, is Wisconsin in trouble after this one? Did you see something about Wisconsin? You're like, ooh, I don't like that, or this could lead to maybe a few more losses. Are are you down, or are you kind of still up there with like, yeah, Wisconsin's a good team, and this was just a blip on the radar
2: yeah, I wouldn't say they're in trouble. I still think they kind of played their brand of basketball. Um, you know, it's kind of try and out hustle the opponent. They just simply got out hustled and outplayed. Um, but I, I don't think they're in trouble. I think they'll be able to turn back around. I think this is a good team. I think this is a, if this is an experienced team, you know lots of, these guys were all together last year aside from AJ Store. Um, and it's you know they play a lot of basketball together. I think if, if there's one team that's going to be able to bounce back from a loss like this, it's a, the it's a Wisconsin Magic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this is a team that Penn State just kind of got them, uh, you know, sleepy Tuesday night uh, on the road. And that's a hard game to, uh, to really counter when the team is, other team is playing so hard. Dakota, are you kind of the same way we are or are you a little bit different?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, exactly. Obviously, Purdue's already gotten got a couple of times just on the road it's it's tough to win on the road in the big 10 i mean say what you will about rankings and personnel and all that stuff going on the road like you said on a sleepy little tuesday night winter storm rolling through pittsburgh pennsylvania probably it is everywhere else um i think this is just one of those games that they they went out on the road competed i mean you can't say they didn't play well they shot 44 percent from three they got Five dudes into double figures. I think that's just a game that Penn State just won. I don't I'm not worried about Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and speaking of sleepy, it was pajama night there as well, so it really was sleepy. night. Uh Before we transition to the next one, do we remind you, we are brought to you by Big Banta Sports, BigMantisSports.com. Go there for all your Big Ten media needs. Brent is the CEO of Big Banta Sports, so uh, he's uh, the man in charge leading the charge of all of us. And uh, not everybody you see on the Big Ten huddle is from Big Banta Sports, but many of them are, and uh, we appreciate all of our guests who come on. So check that out. Um, And this one's going to be a little bit harder to talk about. Um, Michigan beats Ohio State 73 to 65. Um, I was going through it in this one. I tweeted before the game that, you know, if Ohio State loses this game, they're fraudulent. Um, Ohio State, kind of (laughs) fraudulent. <laughs> At the very least, I I don't know. I, I I know that I'm I'm going through it a little bit more. I'm sure Brant has has other thoughts and might be a little bit brighter. Um, the the hardest part with me in this one is, and I've expressed this before on the podcast, a coach like Chris Holtman, I. I I think Chris Holtman is great. I think that Chris Holtman is, is, you know, great off the court. And I am rooting so hard for Chris Holtman because there are so many fans in the fan base who are against him. And even I, myself, am thinking to myself, is it time to move on or anything like that? But it's also in the portal area era. It's like, you know, if you move on, then you could lose half of your roster. Who knows? Bruce Thornton going to go somewhere. Is Felix Alparo going to go somewhere? Um, it, it's it's so hard to decide. And at the end of the day, I just want Chris Holtman to succeed so bad because, like I said, he is fantastic off the court. And he's just, I mean, he's a grade-A personality kind of guy. Um, and so for me in this one, it's like you lose not only on the road, but you lose to the worst team in the Big Ten. You lose you know, to Michigan arch rival, uh, Brent, uh, I'm obviously going through it a little bit. Are you taking this loss as hard as I am? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's not an easy one to swallow, but at the same time, I think we have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt just because, you know, it's a road game in the big 10. Yep. We're no one, you can't go on the road in the big 10 and expect to win against anyone, even the worst team. I know we probably, it's probably one probably should have won and one that can really, really hurt us when it comes to selection Sunday. But you just really and and especially with what we saw last season, it's it's hard for Ohio State fans to swallow this one. Um, You know, having that, you know, hot start, the team looks solid and then you hit Big Ten play. You win a few games, January rolls around and you just start to crumble. And that's kind of I think all Ohio State fans are kind of seeing that right now. Um, So no, no one's optimistic about it right now. There's a lot of hate on Twitter and all over the place for Chris Holtman. And like you said, I'm cheering for him big time. He's had success here. Um, he's, he's had teams that have been, you know, he's had a two seed team. He's had teams that are ranked pretty high, teams that really do well in the Big Ten and finish top four in the Big Ten. Um, he's been here for, I want to say, seven, eight years. I don't have the number off the top of my head. Yeah, but at the end of the day, if, if you crumble again like this season, like you, have, like you saw last season, he's not going to survive. And he's he's going to lose his job, but that that could ultimately be worse for Ohio State because you're, pro- you're probably you're probably going to lose a lot of that roster in the portal, um, and it's it's going to take a bit of rebuilding to get it back to, you know, relevant. But at the same time, I don't know it's, it's a it's a tough decision. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to put it all on Chris Holman, You know, he's the guy he's the guy who's kind of leading the charge for this team, so he's the one who takes the most heat. But at the end of the day, these guys went on the road and they shot three for twenty five from three. They were taking bad shots. They were giving Michigan every shot. I mean, Terrence Williams couldn't miss because he was wide open the entire game. And just ask Michigan fans how they feel about, about Terrence Williams. That they're not his biggest fan, but he absolutely lit our defense up. So I, I think, I think it, a lot. There's a lot to be said about kind of the players playing the game as well. Guys are just cold right now, and they really need they really need to start shooting the ball well, or it, the season's going get, to gonna get away from them.
0: Yeah, and at a certain point, you know, I I, I remember. Vividly, um, the huddle back when Ohio State, oh, who'd they play two games ago? It was when this was IU, when they played at IU. I remember Chris Holtman, uh, saying to his guys, you know, hey, you guys are gonna start hitting shots. Keep shooting. You know, the the shots are gonna come. You guys are great shooters. Keep shooting. Um, and at a certain point, I'm like, you know, I I love that he has faith in his guys and in he doesn't, you know, panic and change things because sometimes we've seen that before where he panics and changes things and what he changes it to doesn't go as well. Um, but I think this is a team that Chris Holtman really, really believes in. He believes hard in uh, Roddy Gale and in Bruce Thornton. He believes in Felix, Felix Agpara, uh not just as a defender, but also as a scorer and a rebounder. Um, and, and it's evident in that. And so it's hard, I think, for him to say that this is not going well. We're going to completely overhaul this in the middle of the game when he's seen it in practice where he's seen it. I mean, Bruce Thornton said after the game, he's like that we watch a lot of film. We practice really hard. We do a good job. And then unfortunately right now in games, it's just, it's not showing up. Um, and I, I think if, if the losing streak last year didn't happen, I think fans might be a little bit more understanding. Uh, but unfortunately, that's that's taking a huge toll on it. So Dakota, you have the outside perspective here from us Buckeye fans. Uh, and feel free to comment as well as Michigan. I don't want to make this only an Ohio State thing, but what are your thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, this was a weird one to watch. I mean, Michigan obviously having whatever kind of year you could say they're having off the court. Um, that has kind of started to bleed a little bit onto the court, uh, really. But in this one, it was just it was an odd game where I kind of just always kept expecting Ohio State to kind of get going. Obviously, Michigan playing at home. I think it's you know restarting Big Ten play coming back after the break. Um, obviously, they're blessed by having Doug McDaniel be able to play in this game because it's a home game. Um, it. It was just, it was very odd, and I think I think I put this on Twitter during the game, and I was like, it was such an odd feeling watching two programs in basketball like Michigan and Ohio State just kind of look like this. Like, it was a good game as a as a neutral. Um, I, I did expect Ohio State to win this game, Michigan as it looked like kind of just a dumpster fire floating down the road um, this year, both kind of on and off the floor. It looks like a program that just has no trajectory. And so to see them kind of not necessarily look like to break out of that based on it, I think Ohio State just did not play near their best. I would say probably not even near their average. Um, But this was just, it it was an odd one to watch for sure. I don't really know how to quantify that into the stats but I mean obviously shooting 3 of 25 from 3 not going not going to James Battle 1 of 8 from 3 Bruce Thornton, 2 of 7 from 3 then you got an 0 oh, 3 0 oh, 1 0 oh, 2, 0 oh, two, 0 oh, 2 and at some point those shots are going to go down I don't think I don't think Ohio State was taking too many you know contested shots I think they were getting pretty decent looks but this was just kind of a game that Michigan's kind of held on and obviously you can't put it you know all of it on Ohio State obviously James Williams goes for 18 um you get 20 and 15 from uh mcdaniel 15 from mcdaniel which i honestly didn't think doug had a had a great game until i looked back at the stats just now and saw he had 15 on you know 50 shooting from three but this was just one of those games i think that ohio state is kind of searching for the finding themselves again you guys mentioned that streak last year that kind of started around this this time of year uh, it just feels like after non-conference and kind of looking into the bulk in the eye of big 10 play ohio State just kind of you know floats away for a couple of weeks and it's gonna be very imperative for them both as a program and as this team for this year specifically to kind of find themselves and start, you know, probably playing up to the level that people expect. Um I briefly touch on the Michigan side. I don't have a whole lot to say about Michigan. I kind of wrote them off pretty early on this year. Um and then once they did the whole Juan Howard not coaching uh, against Penn State at the Plessra, um that fully checked me out on them this season. I don't know what's going on over there for that whole thing. But they came out obviously they had was it they had the Fab five back the first time right. ever or something like that um so i think that probably amped them up a little bit but i don't think michigan fans are too invested in the season and this is just one of those this was one of those weird games that just kind of came and went and obviously michigan comes out on top but i think i mean both of these programs are kind of on a teetering point i think michigan probably more so than ohio state um like you guys mentioned i think chris holtman definitely has the the capacity to kind of turn this around i think he's just gonna have to you know really nail this thing down and and get his guys, you know, back up to the level that we you know they can. And uh time will tell, I guess.
0: Glad you mentioned the fad five. Um did it feel like anybody else that it was almost like Juwan invited his buddies in to see him one last time?
1: A hundred percent. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. This felt like Jalen Rose texting the group going, Hey, it's it's over We yeah. need to get the boys back in town one last time.
0: I mean, it almost felt like he was he was like you know, Hey guys, come in here and support me. And, and, you know, either it's going to be the last time you ever see me. I think it was actually <laughs> the first time the fad five had been all in yeah, there together. So, I
1: think so. That's awesome. Um,
0: but you know, Hey, come see me one more time and maybe you'll help me save my job. I don't know. um, Or or something like that. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it just, it felt, it felt weird. It it, did. It, 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 and, and the, it, did you guys see uh, Jalen Rose's Instagram photo before the game outside of a liquor store? Like, uh, yeah, I, no shame if you go to a liquor store, obviously. You know, we all need to hey. drink from time to time, I guess, but like, um, just an odd place for <laughs> Jalen Rose to take a photo, uh, and post on Instagram. Brand, did you have any thoughts on the Fad Five there?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, Michigan was playing like it was the Fad Five era, so <laughs> um, shout out to that, but yeah, I uh, no thoughts for me. I mean, that era, that era is over, just like Jawan's uh, 10 year at Michigan's head coach.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have, I guess we'll have one more chance to, to send him out, um, in Columbus, but who knows if, if that'll happen or not. Um, and I want to touch on one more thing and this is an Ohio state thing and Dakota, I'd like your thoughts on this and and then, you know, Brent, you can share yours, but Bruce Thornton, um, I want to start off by saying, I love Bruce. I think that Bruce is a very good player, but I think Bruce is pressing. Right now, he had the worst plus minus for Ohio State in this game. He had a minus 16. Um, he only had one turnover, so it's not like he was, you know, crazy or anything like that. But um, only two assists, 19 points. That's fantastic. But um, it doesn't... I mean, Dale Bonner had three assists in this game, and he played, what, 13 minutes compared to Bruce Thornton's 38. Um, it just... I'm not saying that Bruce is selfish because I don't think he is, but it, it feels like Bruce is like trying to take everything into his own hands. and And I truly do feel like Bruce is feeling the pressure on – chris Holtman and kind of almost putting that on his own shoulders you hear him after the game he was basically trying to defend chris Holtman to the fans um and and it feels like he he wants to not only play for himself but for his entire team for his coach which is all great um but it almost just feels like he's he's pressing out there and feels like he has to do it all by himself um dakota do you sense that as well what are your thoughts
1: Oh, I mean, I I don't think you can blame him. I mean, he's he's probably definitely I'll say best guard. And what we talk about all the time? Is you need great guard play to win, you know, college basketball. And when you, as you know, that guy look around and go, "All right, we're struggling. It's time. You got to get on the get on my back. And I'll take you to the promised land." And obviously, maybe didn't get over the hump this time. But I mean, you can't blame a kid to look around and you got to applaud him for if this is the case of looking around and going, "All right." Like we're struggling, it's we got to go, and I'm I'm going to be the guy to step up and, and try and do that. Um, does that usually lead to some pressing moments and maybe overextending yourself just a little bit? I mean, potentially yes, but if you want to take a long term look at that, that's also the key to you know these guys really taking that next step as his career continues. And you don't, I can't blame him. I mean, I think if anybody
2: is capable of doing it, it's him. So yeah, you know,
0: you think the same thing, Bryant. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, my thoughts are basketball is as much of a mental game as much as it is a physical game, almost even more a mental game, I'd say. And it does feel like Bruce is the number one guy that comes to mind when I think of players on the team who are taking kind of bad shots at times. And it feels like he's kind of in his own head. He feels the pressure and he's he's trying to put the team on his back. But at the end of the day, he he needs to go back to what he was doing at the start of the year, taking open shots when you have them distributing, driving. Uh, and just being that more complete player.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, two for seven in this one. I think if Bruce just starts shooting better, um, you know, they, th- they win this game um, and that's a big part of it. Jamison battle too. I mean, he, he hit like three or four three pointers the last two or three games or something like that. Uh, and one for eight in this one. So, you know, that was, that was all of their three pointers. Um, you know, Rodney yeah, that- went 0 for three. Dale Barn went over to. Oh, what we're
2: we going to say the Jameson battle uh, going one for eight may have been my fault, actually, because I, uh, Tim Miller from the Views from Shot podcast he put out one of his banger bets, which is Jameson battle to hit three threes. And of oh, course, no. I had to take him up on that. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll take the blame on that one. <laughs> Sorry. So
0: I didn't I didn't jinx Dakota, but you jinx the Buckeyes. So, well, we understand. We understand. So, all right. Uh, we were going to talk about this Nebraska Rutgers game, but there's eight seconds left in overtime. Um, uh, Kent was done when overtime. started, <laughs> But we appreciate you, Kent. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and talk about Iowa and Minnesota. I'm going to get the graphic made for this game as the game ends. Uh, and then we'll talk about that one. So uh, but before we do that, do you want to remind people about CBB analytics, CBB analytics? Analytics is a great resource for uh, myself. I get a free pro tier from them to tell you about it. And they also have free tiers that have wonderful content as well. So check out CBB Analytics, uh, really great resource. And like I said, even if you don't want to pay for it, they still give you great stuff. Check them out. All right. Iowa beats Minnesota 86 to 70. Iowa a little hot right now. They started 0 and 3 in the Big Ten, but now they're starting back up 3 and 0. So they're 3 and 3 here. Um, I, this Iowa team, Fred McCaffrey, uh, winning his coach in Iowa history also after this one. So, you know, congrats to him. But, um, you know, this, this was one where Iowa just, like I said, kind of said before is like they're just their offense flourished and minnesota didn't really have an answer for it and eventually when the offense flourishes like that minnesota started pressing a little bit uh and trying to keep up and they just weren't able to i think minnesota is a good team but they just weren't able to keep up with iowa in this one um and and it was evident and and hard for them to do but dakota what were your thoughts on this one
1: yeah i this was a game to me that i think said a lot more about iowa than it did minnesota and i think I'm probably not alone in saying that Minnesota is probably performing a lot better than many people expected. But at the same time, I don't think it was necessarily fair to see to think that Minnesota was really going to compete as the season started to progress uh, in the Big Ten. And Iowa, as like you said, has been absolutely rolling on offense and in these types of games where. One team is probably still trying to create their identity as a program in Minnesota. Iowa just comes out and just absolutely just takes it to them. And we have the, uh, the offensive potential that Iowa does, I think sometimes that can just become just a little bit too much um, against a team like Minnesota. So I think this definitely says a lot about Iowa. Um, obviously, you get a great game from, uh, from Crikey. Crikey? Do
0: we know? I think Crikey.
1: I think Creaky, too. That's what I always say. And then obviously, um, Jimmy Dix gets 21 and Perkins 13. So this is just a very solid all around effort from Iowa against a Minnesota team on the road. Now, um, uh, granted, we've said that it's hard to, it's tough to go on the road um, and win in the Big Ten, but I think Iowa definitely brought the offensive, you know, firepower enough to kind of just walk away with this one down the stretch. Minnesota kind of played with it for a little bit, but by the time, you know, the bulk of the second half got going, Iowa was kind of, you know, opening this one up a bit. So, Definitely a good win for Iowa as they, you know, they're both teams are now three and three in conference. But I think Iowa definitely is carrying a lot of momentum right now.
0: Yeah, I agree, uh, Brent. What were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, agreed. I mean, Iowa the, at the start of the season they just weren't finding the, the bottom of the basket. And when you're a Fran McCaffrey team who can't score, things aren't going to go well because you already don't play. You don't have the defensive uh, firepower that most of the other Big Ten teams do have. Uh, but that they're they're slowly starting to come along uh, they can space the floor really well Owen Freeman I think is a huge huge piece uh, emerging for this team and in the middle That's kind of a Luca garza type almost um, earlier on in Luca garza's career pretty similar coming off the bench and coming and just clearing the boards and uh, creating some more space for the shooters so that I could see him kind of following in that career trajectory um, kind of the way that, that garza emerged for them uh, but when they've got guys who are making shots uh, between Perkins, Sanford, Dix, uh, Creaky, they've got guys who can, who can make shots and who can put the ball in the basket. And they're getting hot right now. Nobody wants to play Iowa when they're making shots because they can beat anyone in the nation. Uh, going on the road and beating Minnesota, uh, it's, I mean, Minnesota is not the Minnesota of the past. This is a team with a, they've got a bit of firepower with them. Um, they're, they're definitely playing better basketball than we've seen from the past few seasons. So it's a good win. It's, it really was a good win for them.
0: Yeah. And I think Ben Johnson has done a good job with this team this season. I think everybody was kind of writing them off hot seat, you know, not really going to be the guy there, but, um, I think Ben Johnson's done a good job. Dakota, do you have any thoughts on Ben Johnson and the job he's just done overall this season?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, he's done fantastically. Obviously, you know, a twelve and five record. Granted, not against you know the best schedule in the country, but I mean, they've were, I would say, fairly competitive in in most of their losses. Um, but I think he's done a really good job. I think there was a lot of question marks with him last year, obviously being his his first year in Minneapolis. But I think he's done a very good job. He's given them a schedule to gain some confidence, and I think he has them playing with a lot of with you know a lot of togetherness and a lot of confidence right now, getting into the bulk of Big Ten play.
0: Yeah, and I think the one of the things that has been most impressive to me is the way he's utilizing Dawson Garcia this season. Um, obviously, Dawson Garcia was a good scorer last season, but uh, just what he's been able to put around him, uh, Elijah Hawkins sharing the ball the way that he's been able to and, and they have good guys that are coming off the bench as well. Farrell Payne, he wasn't a great factor in this game and I think that contributed to uh, Minnesota not winning, but uh, he's been great this season as well. Uh, Mike Mitchell Jr. has been a good starter for them. He's, you know, giving you uh, good numbers, almost double digits for assists and points in nearly every game uh, so far. So I just, I like what Ben Johnson is doing with this team and kind of similar to Penn state. I'm thinking to myself, like this team has potential and can go somewhere. It's just not their year yet. Um, And I think that they were more likely to possibly make the tournament. I don't think they probably are. Uh, I think this is a loss that kind of, you know, a home loss to, to Iowa in this one that kind of takes you out of that a little bit, but they could certainly go on a run and beat some good teams and make something happen. So, uh, Brent, do you have any thoughts on the outlook of Minnesota the rest of the season or Ben Johnson or just how this team has looked this year overall?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think their season started very well. Um, they didn't really have any big non-conference games. Uh, they had, I mean, the win over Michigan on the road was big for them, um, uh, but really, when you look at the games they've played, I mean, they won at home against Nebraska. That's probably their best win. Um, I think it's really just more of a testament of their schedule rather than um, how good this team actually is. And this, this just has all the makings of a team that, that the wheels are going to fall off. You look at their upcoming schedule, they play tomorrow at Michigan State, um, who's playing a little bit better. Then they play at home against Wisconsin. They play on the road at Penn State, who we just talked about. Not an easy place to play. I think Penn State's probably a better team. They play at home against Northwestern, at home against Michigan State, on the road against Iowa. I would not be surprised to see them go 0-6 down that stretch. I really wouldn't. I, I think the wheels are going to fall off for this Minnesota team. and I think people are going to be talking about Ben Johnson the way they kind of were at the start of the season.
0: Would you say kind of like an Ohio state collapse in January?
2: It could be an Ohio state. That's collapse. It could be. You know, it
0: could be. <laughs> <laughs> I got a joke about it. Otherwise I'm going to go crazy. Uh, Dylan uh, said to you, Dakota, a familiar face in the produce Twitter streets. So yes, Dylan, we, we bring all of, purdue twitter uh the purdue twitter streets over here to the big 10 huddle uh and make sure they know that they're wanted and loved um i I think at the end of the day like kind of like what i said at the beginning i would just got rolling on offense and there are very few teams in the country uh very not many teams in the big 10 purdue probably being the only one uh maybe illinois i think illinois could do it too but uh we're if I was just rolling offense and going on their streaks, then, you know, there's not many teams that can really keep up with them. Minnesota went on a couple good streaks. They had like a 10-0 run to start the game. They had a 7-0 run, I think, at one point. Uh, but Iowa, they just consistently were going and, and doing really good things. They had a 7-run, a 6-run, a 7-run as well for Iowa uh, near the beginning of the game. But, you know, I was just kind of one of those teams. They keep scoring and they keep making you press. Uh, and it's, it's really, really t- difficult to, uh, to overcome that. So, all right, guys, let's move on to our final game. We have, oh no, I saved the wrong one. Shoot. <laughs> uh, Brant, why don't you uh go ahead and tell people where they can find you at while I, while I uh, find this.
2: Yeah, for sure. So definitely check out big banner sports. We are all over Twitter, we are on Instagram, we are on TikTok, uh, and we have a website where we, you can find, find out more about all of our podcasts within the network, uh, including the Big Ten Huddle here, truly. And uh, you can check out blogs there as well. We are working on kind of firing up that, that end of things. So uh, lots of, lots of cl- cool content on the way. Um, and also some new partners we'll be announcing here soon within the next uh, week or so. Um, so be on the lookout for that, especially Purdue fans tuned in. Um, we, we've got something fun coming up for you for you also definitely keep your eyes out on, on all that.
0: Very good. Dakota want to tell people uh, where they can find you. At?
2: Absolutely. You can find me on most
1: social media platforms at Boiler in Texas, as well as right here on YouTube, Boiler in Texas as well. Or you can search for the runaway, runaway train sports podcast.
0: Very good. There we go. Look at that. Perfect timing, timing was perfect. Look at with, that. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so Nebraska falls to Rutgers. I looked like Nebraska was going to win in this game to me. And then it's like, once we came on the air, it was like Rutgers just kind of turned things around. So I didn't get a chance to hear kind of the, everything that was going on, but. At the end of the day, Rutgers made a comeback in this one. They brought it to overtime. Uh, some kind of crazy stuff there <laughs> going on. If you read Kent talking about it in the chat, you kind of saw all the craziness of what was happening. And, and it's the craziness we love of Big Ten basketball, right? The late, late game shenanigans and, and trying to figure out what is going to happen and the, the referee calls, the out of bounds here and there, just guys playing super hard. Um, I still think that Nebraska is a good, basketball team I don't think that they are um that they are going to be hindered by this loss a ton I mean they beat Purdue so that obviously is really helpful there for them but at the end of the day um Rutgers is hard to beat especially at Rutgers and and this was a tough one for them Brent what were your thoughts
2: yeah I mean really encouraging to see the way Rutgers battled back because I think they may have been down by double digits or close to double digits in this game. Nebraska yeah. kind of in the second half, they pulled away there for a bit. So kind of surprising to see Rutgers uh, be able to kind of claw their way back into it. We, we haven't seen it from them the, uh, this year. Um, so, uh, but I mean, at the same time, it's playing in the rack here. It's, it's that kind of environment. It's going to get crazy. Uh, Rutgers is never out of it. You can never count a Rutgers, a C-5 coach team out of it. Um, so, Really impressive for them to go out and do that and kind of keep their season afloat because if they would have lost this one, you would have had to have seen the writing on the wall that their season's done. So really encouraging for, for ruggers to go out and get the job done.
0: And we've been saying on here for a while now that, like, Rutgers, you know, obviously this season matters. Nobody's saying that a season doesn't matter. But a lot of what Rutgers is doing this season is building for next year and what Steve Peichel is doing. And Steve Peichel went crazy in this game. He got a T at one point. He was just yelling at the officials like crazy. Um, it was unfortunate that Juwan Gary did go down for Nebraska, had a no-contact injury, and those are never good, uh, wasn't any, able to put any weight on that leg, so a possible ACL uh, tear or something like that. Hopefully not. We're hoping that uh, it was just some kind of freak thing that he can get back out there. Uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but uh, but I think that kind of affected it as well. Nebraska looked really, really good, and although they didn't drop off, I felt like the depth uh, wasn't really there after Gary was gone, and they started to look a little bit more tired, and Rutgers kind of took advantage of that late in the game Did Dakota, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Seeing those non-contact leg injuries never looks good. It usually, hopefully, will knock on wood that it does end up being okay. But those are always scary. And say what you will about staying focused or anything like that. You see one of your guys just all of a sudden just go down like that. It can take you out of it mentally. And while I think they did their best to you know try and stay with it, um, I think rockers definitely looked at that, smelled a little blood in the water, and were able to claw back, force overtime. And then ultimately come away with it in the end. So it's definitely a good win for Rutgers. Um, I think Nebraska and Nebraska fans are probably going to be kicking themselves in the morning, letting this one get away. But that's life in the you know in that mid pack of the Big Ten. You know you can't give them an inch; they'll take a mile, especially playing at the rack. Um, Purdue fans are, know all too well the horrors of playing at the rack um, here in the last few years. So you can't let them get going. That's a small, intimate little little gym and they will absolutely get rolling so it's a win Rucker absolutely need needed um they still have a long way to go if they want to be in any sort of postseason um play conversations um i don't know if this loss doesn't necessarily hurts nebraska but i think a win here would have definitely gone a lot farther than uh than this loss will in the long run so it's tough for nebraska but someone's got to win it
0: right um Brand, I do want to bring up because he is just fantastic and astounding. Obviously, the, the whole Rutgers team had a good game in this one. Uh, there wasn't really anybody that you could point out to say that played bad or anything like that but cliff amourier man um four blocks and this one 14 points 15 assists i cannot wait for when cliff amourier plays against zach Eady because both of those guys are just playing outstanding this season brett did you have any thoughts about Amorie and his defensive effort or anything that he did in this game overall
2: yeah i mean cliff is just an animal in the paint and when you've got I mean, Nebraska, the way they play, Juan Gary's kind of their guy in the paint, kind of their scrappy rebounder. So when he goes, when he's out of it, um, that just kind of opens up more opportunity for Omori to dominate in the paint. And uh, he went out and did that. I mean, you get a classic Cliff Amore showing with those 15 rebounds, four blocks, uh, 14 points, just absolute dominance. Uh, so that not, not surprising to see him go out and just go crazy.
0: Yeah, and he you know, one thing that he could really use to improve his game that Zach E. D has is his free throw shooting. He was 2 for 7 in this one, so obviously that, you know, didn't have a huge impact. Uh, Rutgers were still able to win this game, but uh Dakota, do you have any thoughts on the potential matchup we'll see between Amorie and Edie coming up soon? I'll say this, that's always a very fun one to watch because
1: they, you talk about two just completely different types of centers. Obviously, seven4 300-pound beast, monster, mountain of a man. And then you have Cliff on the other side, very long, very athletic, dude who just loves to go after every shot that's going towards the rim. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this goes. That said, Mori um, is definitely not the most adverse to uh, personal fouls. So I think that's going to play a large fact in this one. um, I think I looked, I think even in his last two games, he's had three and he had three in this one and had four against Michigan State. So, if I think that's probably going to be the story of that matchup more than anything, obviously we know um, the ability that Zach Eady has to draw fouls on the, you know, the front court of opposing teams. So it's always a fascinating matchup to watch. I enjoyed it last year and I'm going to enjoy watching it again this year.
0: And and just, you, you mentioned him a little bit there, Dakota, with Juwan Gary, like we said, we hope he's okay, but if Juwan Gary is out for Nebraska for an extended period of time, how do you feel like that affects Nebraska for the rest of the season this year?
1: Oh, I mean, that's tough. You got a guy who's been playing very well this year for a very incumbent Nebraska team that's kind of come on strong this year. Um, losing a guy like that is definitely going to hurt. I mean, you've you got to adopt the next man up, you know, mentality. But with a program like Nebraska, you really got to question, you know, the proven depth that they had. I mean, they they didn't play too deep in this one, or did, definitely didn't get a whole lot of bench production in this one, especially at the forward position. So it's it's going to see who's going to who's going to step up, and if no one can, that's really going to hurt Nebraska going forward.
0: Yeah, and I think the the biggest thing with it is, you know, him and Rank Mass down there are kind of like a dynamic duo that can work together. And Rank Mass Mm -hmm. handles the ball more than I think people realize sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, if without Gary down there, is that going to pull Mass down to the block more and have him unable to do what he does with the ball handling some? Uh, Brent, do you have a take on the loss of Jawan, potential loss of Juwan Gary?
2: Yeah, it's it's sad to see him go down. I know he's dealt with career, or I mean not career, but uh, season-ending injuries before. So tough to see that happen again to him. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, he really, in my opinion, is kind of the glue that holds this team together. He does all the scrappy things. Uh, so to lose him, it, it's going to be significant. But I don't think Green Mass is going to have to change his role. I think you move Josiah Alec down there into that role and kind of have him kind of uh, you know handle all the rebounds help get some get some room for rink mass and and company to operate uh he he has experience winning you new mexico he was at new mexico last year uh and they were i mean they didn't make the tournament but they were competitive um and a well-coached team uh with patino out there so i i think he he brings winning mentality uh to this front court and i think nebraska can keep moving forward and uh still fight for that uh, tournament spot with him kind of replacing Gary role
0: well do you think do you guys think this is the last thing I'll, I'll touch on before we end with this one um do you guys think nebraska has a good chance to make the tournament or do you kind of give it like a so-so or what are your thoughts on nebraska's potential to make the tournament here uh brent we'll start with you
2: yeah i think they're going to be right on the bubble when it comes down to the end of the day uh they're going to i mean the win over purdue is going to be huge come selection day but I, they're going to need to get another signature win or two, and they're going to have to win most of their home games, I'd say. Yeah. One more one more big road game It's probably going to seal their fate.
0: Which is not easy to do in the Big Ten.
2: Not easy to do. Uh,
1: Dakota, your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Um, that win over Purdue, um, you're welcome, uh, is definitely going to keep them probably closer to the bubble than they might have if they lost that game. Obviously, so far, they've... Uh, lost their uh, first matchup against Wisconsin. They got the Purdue win. Um, other than that, they definitely need um, another solid win. They do have a, that home win against Michigan State that they got before the holiday break, which, depending on which way Michigan State goes, could really start to kind of creep up towards you know that really good win. And I mean, having a win over Michigan State on your resume is always going to look good in the committee's eyes. But I think I agree that they're, they're going to need something on the road um, to go out and have just a good, solid road win. Um, I think that's part of the reason they're going to be kicking themselves about tonight. Um, but I think they definitely have plenty of opportunity um, going to Maryland. Um, I don't know how competitive they would be at Illinois, but we saw Illinois look very vulner- vulnerable here in the past week. So it kind of depends on how they respond. And then at Northwestern is another one. And then at Indiana, which I'm hoping Indiana just falls off. Fuck, nah, nah, man. Um, so they definitely have opportunities to go on the road and get wins. But I think they definitely need to put some road wins on that resume to go with those big home wins.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Russ is in the chat. Potential loss of Gary just means it's Tamanaga time. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it was <laughs> Tamanaga time in this game. Uh, but my, my critiques remain of, of Tamanaga and his, his ability to score is fantastic and he's electric, uh, but he just doesn't doesn't give you much else than that. One rebound in this game. Zero assists. I would I would have liked to see Tamanaga do a little bit more in this one. I think I'm like the only person on the planet that has anything bad to say about uh, Tamanaga. Because everybody loves him. And I love him too. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I also look at his game and say, there's room for improvement. So... All right, guys. Uh, that's all I got for this one. Thank you so much to Dakota and Brant for joining us here. We're gonna have another uh, basketball episode Sunday night. We'll talk about all the games going on that weekend. So you know, we'll have IU facing off against Wisconsin. We have Ohio State in their rematch against Penn State. Can they avenge themselves after their 18 uh, point collapse in State College? It'll be and Columbus in this one, uh, and then we'll have Michigan State and Illinois on Sunday. Their games against Maryland and Rutgers. That'll be fun to recap. So we got loaded show next week. Uh, thank you, Dylan. Love you too. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks guys for coming on. Thank you everybody for watching. Have a good night.